Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. You know, every once in a while, and I have Linda to thank for this and the fabulous people we work with, I just need to, you know, just give a shout out to Sarah and her team. Every once in a while, I get um, people that come across our our production uh, team or and, and, and we step back and we look at what do they write, what is the message? Maria Nambu is one of those people. And what I mean by that is that each of us have a life story. Each of us has that. But what if what we share with the world becomes that which other people can learn from, can empathize with, can become activated from, And that's what today is about. You know, when I think about Maria, and you're going to hear a lot about Maria, right? And Benny, we have three books here. We're going to give one copy of each away. Um, When I think about and, and really feel what it must have been like for her, and then to be on such a life of discovery and exploration, And to come out in the world and share her story, her love of Africa, the culture, the rhythms, right? What is it about these stories that is so important in the world we live in to keep the energy, the vibration of storytelling alive? But there's another part to this. And it's the part that I find so interesting and never thought in a million years that I'd be talking about. What if we have been growing up and we don't know our story? What if we think our story was one thing, our life, our heritage, who we are, who we were, where we came from? What if we think it was one thing and then one day discover it might be different, maybe even more robust. How do we go on that journey? Today, I'm thrilled to have on the show, not only someone that's been at all those places, but survival and understanding what survival at a very young age is, is so important. Many of you have heard me share the fact that my mother committed suicide when I was six. But when I think about that, I wasn't cast into an orphanage. Something else happened. But what if your life gets turned upside down and yet every part of it was so you could become a powerful, powerful woman? Share that story and help others become powerful. That's Maria. Maria, it's great to have you here today. Thank you very much. Um, I, I, I want to start by talking about the three books for a minute and, and just talk about them so our listeners understand that this is a trilogy. And when you put them all together, uh, each of them individually, by the way, is powerful by itself. But when you put them together, the story and the, and the level of, of, what should I say, discovery about them is so powerful and relevant to the world we live in today. Tell us about the three books and what they've come to mean for you. All right. Uh, 
the the entire trilogy is called the Dancing Soul Trilogy. And uh, the reason I called it the Dancing Soul Trilogy is because I felt almost from the moment I was born or the moment I was aware uh, around that, that there was... I was a dancer. I was constantly moving, and I was constantly moving forward. And uh, as uh, you'll see in my life, I have danced a lot. But book one is called Africa's Child, and uh, that covers the first 19 years of my life, which was spent in an orphanage in the Usambara Mountains of Tanzania, in eastern Tanzania. Um, we had, uh, at that time, you know, I am 76 years old now, so mm -hmm. that was a long time ago. <laughs> uh, Mixed-race children were not accepted very well in the African society. You know, the African mothers sometimes, you know, very often were ashamed of us, the, the European fathers or white fathers or, uh, hardly even acknowledged us. So very often uh, we were hidden. Some of us would live and die without seeing the sun. We were mm -hmm. hidden. And uh, I always say I was so grateful that I wasn't one of those, you know, who was hidden and had uh, a dark life. I was brought to an orphanage which was started by the German Catholic uh, Precious Blood Sisters who felt sorry for us. Mm -hmm. And uh, they started this orphanage. So the first book is really about my, my life in the orphanage, the day-to-day -day happenings and how I actually survived the, the childhood, what I did, how I coped. And uh, it takes me all the way to 19 years old when I, I came to the United States. And the second book is called America's Daughter. Okay, book one covers how I actually came to the United States. And America's Daughter is my experiences in America. Oh, I was so naive. I, I, I really, I was, I was precautious. I was smart. I was sensitive, but I was clueless about a lot about American life and American yeah. culture. So I write a lot about the, the immigrant story, uh, not necessarily the same for everybody. And, uh, but I just tell my story, which also is shared by many immigrant people and what really happened to me. In book two, my largest, uh, one of the first discoveries I had was I had to learn to become black. I had I know I'm black, I mean, by skin color, yeah. but I did not know the culture, I did not know America, I did not know the people, and I had to, to cope and deal and discover how people related to me. They related to me as a black person, and that was in the 60s. I came in 63, and half of it went over my head. I just didn't understand, and there are many stories about what happened. But also book two is amazing because in book two, I find out uh, that I have a mother, and my mother comes looking for me when I'm 36 years old, and I find out that my mother is white and an American. Mm -hmm. So that is quite a shocker. And I talk a lot about that, and he, she introduces me to my half-brother, who's white, who's eight years older than me. And in book three, we go, my, my mother, our mother dies, without telling me anything about myself. And she she was actually quite quite a character, uh, quite a piece of work, as I always say. And um, But she introduced me to my, my half-brother, who was just a wonderful man. So when our mother died, we decided to go to Africa to look for my father, because I, I always felt African. I just, I was so shocked to find out my mother was white, because in my in my heart and in every way, I always imagined her to be an African, I'm, like the the many or most of the, the mothers who came to the orphanage to, to drop their children or to visit their children. Uh, so book three, we go to Africa, and we just, I mean, truly like the blind leading the blind, we go not having a clue who he is, where he could be. We go to Tanzania and we start looking for my father. And that begins book three and it continues to in my life, my marriage, what I became in America, what uh, everything that from which took me here, the whole process of becoming of becoming me is in book three. So I don't want to give, I probably have already given pretty much of the story out, but there's a whole lot more. But in a nutshell, those are the three yeah. books. Well, the reason I wanted you to really share this is because, you know, what's so interesting is I come from what most people would look at 
as a uh, an Italian family, right? Mm-hmm. But very early on, Maria, I'm not I'm not going to kid you about this. Both myself and my sister were very drawn to Latin culture. My sister was drawn to Latino boyfriends, right? Uh, I had a very large group of Latino friends. And, you know, I grew up in the Bronx in New York, so this is not like an unusual thing. But we never understood that. I took Latin dance lessons, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Why? Why would that be? Because it was hard to explain. Well, it wasn't until decades later, almost like you, I wasn't in search for it, but I was, I tried to find out about my family and it wasn't as easy, right? I tried to find out about where did we come from? What did we do? And we now live in the world of the internet, don't we? Mm -hmm. It's a little different than when my uncle was growing up. And I finally got my uncle before he died, my uncle Al. And I said to him, you've got to tell me what this is about. I find out my grandfather was actually born in Brazil. uh, And I have an entire family of Brazilian relatives. Now, let's talk about that because I want to know how much of your journey as you put one courageous foot in front of the other even through heartbreak, even through despair, kept you moving forward, forward from that inner voice that said, I must find this out. I must continue. Maybe I should go here and maybe I should go there. Can you tell me about what the journey was like for you? Yeah, you know, when the, obviously when the journey is happening, you have no clue what you are actually doing in many ways. Yeah, that's uh, right. <laughs> but I would say... You know, for me, it was very, very, very early. And I checked and I found out I was just a little bit more than three years old. You know, we were told by then the nuns really did their best to take care of us and provide a home for us. So many of us who were taken to the orphanage were lucky to be there. Yet life at the orphanage was, was truly quite difficult. Uh, the nuns were, you know, most of them were good and they took good care of us. But there were a few who were extremely cruel and we were truly beaten around yeah, me, me too and and yeah and the, the big and and how how the orphanage was was structured was that when word got out that there was finally a place where mixed race children were were accepted and welcome i mean people came from i mean out of the woodworks from all over the country in mm-hmm. every stage of life some were 25 some were 30 some were 15 some were six i was three days old when i was brought there so my whole life was in the orphanage. The reason I'm putting this scenario is that uh, the big girls who were taking care of us, you know, our daily grooming and everything, they were the ones who truly, truly abused us in every way you can imagine, physically, sexually, psychologically, emotionally. So we were kind of abused. But as it turned out, uh, the orphanage, not everybody in the orphanage was an orphan. There were quite a few girls and boys over there who had parents and their parents came to visit them and took them home for holidays. And those of us who were true orphans, we just used to kind of watch. So the inequities were really unbearable for for me as a child. And I remember once when my closest friend Elizabeth's mother was visiting, I was crying because I I told her I didn't have a mother. And and she said to me, everybody has a mother. So, Mm. oh, that really stuck with me so I would we were surrounded by African villages and I went to the village and uh I just looked at the women who were sitting cooking you know they were old women at that time I'm three or four I have no idea about age they had white hair but what do I know so I'm sure one of them is my mother so I asked them one by one are you my mother are you my mother are you my mother one Mm -hmm. by one there was just no answer until when I asked the final one in unison they said we're all your mother. Oh. That was a turning point for me. I, I I got that real connectedness to the feminine part of me, to the universe, uh, to 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 everything that that made us human. And I absolutely, in my heart, believed that I had a mother. And but I also believed that I had a mother who did not want me. That's why I was in the orphanage. 
So I decided at that point, because I felt such a powerful connection with the world and with everything, I just felt there was so much out there that somehow in my little mind was waiting for me, you know? I decided if I didn't have a mother, I didn't have anybody who wanted me, I don't know how people ask me to explain this, but I can't. I decided to want me. I decided to love myself. And, and, and it is truly from that point of loving myself, cre- creating a person whom I call Fat Mary, because the nuns, everybody called me Fat Mary, because as miserable as I was, I was fat. As a child. <laughs> and yeah. so they called me Fat Mary, and I hated, I detested that name. But I took it and turned it around and made Fat Mary my friend, this person who loved me unconditionally and kept making me believe there was so much more for me out there. And it is just like you said, putting one foot in front of the other. I always believed the world was wide open. I just had to stay alive to be there. Mm. I I think this is so powerful in so many ways because, you know, look, when I took a look and read all three of the books and then I went back, I read them differently. And I don't know if that even makes sense, but I read them differently because when I went back, I realized, first of all, you and I have a couple similarities. You know, I didn't talk about the beatings I got every night with an iron brush, half naked. Uh, But that was that was that I was in Catholic boarding school. And this is what was done. Mm -hmm. Now we know more about that. But see, despite that, look at us today. Yeah, look at us today. I want to ask you, what do you think has been your greatest influence that enabled empowered and catapulted you to not just share your story, but share your story in a way that provides lessons for the day and age we live in and beyond. You know, I, I wanted to share my story and, and I had no agenda apart from that. I was not writing to preach or to give lessons or to inspire. I simply wanted to to write my story because I saw patterns. I saw people all around me going through very much what I was going through, although in different circumstances. I saw uh, people in America who had so much materially, but were kind of empty and they didn't know how to love themselves. And that's the only thing I felt I always had. I always loved myself, no matter what I had, I didn't have or who I didn't have in my life, I had me. And I just really mm-hmm. felt that was maybe my message. I wanted, by talking and, and writing, I wanted people to know that wherever you are, you begin with yourself. You truly cannot give what you do not have. Like, uh, you know, Africans have a saying, you know, like, beware of a naked man who gives you a shirt. You got to have what, you know, what you give. It has to be, you know, a part of you. So I realized that's what I had. I had a way of expressing myself that showed people that actually where you begin is with, with life, with all the difficulties you see, is to go inside yourself and value yourself and respect yourself. And somehow, when you do that, the universe opens up for you and, and it reveals ways and means where you can continue that life project of being the best version of who you are because you love yourself and the, the, and things open up for you where you least expect them and because you're open and because you see the opportunities you grab them and you move forward another reason i wrote my story was it was very difficult to talk to my children about my story because they had no point of reference i just didn't i mean there was nothing they could relate to and uh, when my grandson was born, I just decided, you know what, I'm getting to be the, the next generation. I'm moving on. And my sto- I wanted my children to know so much of my story. I told them bits and pieces, just covering things on the surface and all. So I just really, I wanted them to, to know me the way I never knew me. And I figured that would be my gift to them. Mm. It is a gift. It's an enormous gift. And without you giving it and passing it forward and passing the legacy forward and moving the energy of this, you know, 
the pain, the suffering, the, the absolute joy, the beauty you felt in, you, you know, in experiencing Africa, right? Yeah. You know, and being part of that, you know, you, the stories and the way that you wrote these books, Maria, it, they were not just beautifully written and powerful, but you feel like you're there. You know, you feel like you're that young girl in, in a village or that young girl in an orphanage. And I think that you have told the story and thank goodness you put them in three books, right? Yes. Uh, I mean, there's no way you could have done this in anything less. But there is something that I think many of us are obligated to pass on to generations. What has your family thought about these? Well, um, by the time I wrote my book, you know, I've been married. I had been married for 35 years and divorced. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and that whole story, you know, or the, all the circumstances uh, were in there. And, you know, sometimes we always, we don't know why things happen, you know. I did not know why finally after I found a family that is, which I wanted and I loved and that's one thing I really wanted my whole life, it fell apart. And I couldn't fully understand at the time, you know, why, why is the people who are supposed to love me the most, like my mother and, and my husband, just, just abandoned me. And why, what is it, you know? I didn't really question me. I questioned kind of like the universe. I questioned the circumstances because I truly believed in my in myself. You know, so I, I mean, the, how, why I wrote the book, all those things that happened to me, you know, even the horrible divorce, the divorce that I did not want initially, but eventually I just had to do it, told me that I was picked out of a situation because I had a job to do. I had... Yeah to tell a story and it would not be the same story if I was still with my ex-husband. It absolutely would not because I had lived with him for all those years and justified so many things because I knew I wasn't perfect. I knew marriage was a give and take. I made so, so many excuses for the things that made me unhappy within the marriage and I, I stuck it out for 35 years because I really wanted that family intact. But now, I really fully understand that, that that we all have a job to do and the right circumstances will be will be revealed, will be presented so that we can step into this space and take our rightful place and be who we are and tell our story. You know, as I was reading the book when you were talking about it, and I, I think the chapter was called something like Sex, Lies and Tales. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, what I was really struck by was, you know, as I looked at myself, my own parallel experience, um, parallel to those situations, right? Yeah. What I've discovered is people, women in particular, their bodies can't take it. They come down with something, a chronic illness, whether it's autoimmune and, and, or cancer, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Uh, I mean, and that was part of the story as well that you yes. were telling, wasn't it? Very, very much so, because, you know, there's, things don't happen out there, you know, in a vacuum. They absolutely affect you. They affect the cells in your body. They affect you in many ways. And whether you call it stress, it, whatever, I mean, you, you are a single human being, heart, soul, body, everything works together. So when there's all this circumstances happening it has to show out someplace so i came down with cancer the same year that 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 i, I of the divorce so i had the divorce and i had cancer and then we had a hurricane which destroyed my house partly and and it was the very just within a few months of each other of my 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 husband leaving and and truly that's when you realize what you are made of we, you know during you know times like that that you 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 see the reason and you see what you have to do and and your body responds to your environment in every way i mean we can't as women just keep everything inside and think we are going to be okay we're not going to be okay we have to step out of a bad situation and take care of ourselves because that within our, we cannot give again what we don't have no matter what, my story was such a it's a deep inspirational needed story for this time and age, if I didn't own it, if I could not face it, if I could not talk about it, if I could not live in it, if I could not be in it because of my marriage, 
it would be wasted. And now I have had this this opportunity, you know, every every cloud has a silver lining. The silver lining in, in my divorce is me being able to tell my true story because it would never be the same if I was still married. Never. And I, I want to take a short break on that note because uh, I wouldn't be here today with you had my relationship of 14 years not ended in a divorce because mm -hmm. every aspect of what you were called to do in the world or are doing in the world now, what the story was you were to tell, you know, similarly mm -hmm. with me, we would never have done it. We would have stopped the journey. We Absolutely. would have stopped. Yeah. A and we then would not have been able, as you're doing, given people a new sense of hope to live their lives, no matter what it looks like. When we come back, I would love to talk to you about America's Daughter. I would right. love to talk to you about that. Because when we take a look at the world, who are our adopted mothers? Who are our adoptive fathers? Who are our adoptive sisters? Who are the angels that come forward in our lives? Who are they that then call us together in the power of what? We're going to talk about that, everybody. We'll be right back. Are you ready to put down that drink or drug for good? Are you struggling to maintain your recovery from addictive behaviors? Do you need help with a family member or loved one who's in early recovery or battling addiction? Get the help and guidance you need by arranging a recovery recharged phone session with me, Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, Certified Life and Recovery Coach. Call 1-800-889-1757. Make an appointment today. Or go to my website, pushybroadfromthebronx.com, and click on the link that says Recovery Recharged. Don't wait. Get the help you need today. This is Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Optimize your breast cancer screening without any radiation or pain. Effective, sensitive, and widely used thermal imaging in Europe is now available to you here in the U.S. Using state-of-the-art FDA-approved camera, Eastside's first and only breast thermography clinic is now open in Bellevue. Safe, sensitive, low cost, no referrals needed. Contact Holistique Medical Center at 425-451-0404 or on the web, drdarvish.com. Your eternal purpose is calling out to you each and every day. Are you listening? Tune in to Dynamic Destiny Radio with Coach Pete Cafarcio every first and third Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to be your authentic self and live the life that you were destined for. Learn practical tools to discover your purpose and conquer other fears that keep you stuck in a life of mediocrity. Learn more about Coach Pete by visiting PeteCoaching.com. Dream on, lie high, and live adventurously on The Laura Meeks Show. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio as host Laura Meeks guides you in finding your unique gifts and bringing them to life. As a certified life coach, speaker, and veteran bomber pilot for the U.S. Air Force, Laura knows how to follow a dream. She is ready to support you so you can dream on, fly high, and live adventurously. For more information on Laura and her work, visit flyhighliving.com. Are you ready to transform your life and embrace magical experiences? Talking to Tannis with your host, Tannis McRae, is here to help you find your joy in life. Tune in live every first and third Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Let's awaken your experience and create the change necessary to take back your right to choose who you are. For more about Tannis, visit TalkingToTannis.com. Some people dream of freedom before they know it even once. What happens when we find ourselves in unimaginable freedom? Retired, children are grown, we've moved on from caregiving, and don't know what to do with all that time you never had before. Well, it's your life. It's up to you now. On the hit new show, Fresh Courage, 
It's your time to shine with host Sharon Rolfe on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back. Dancing Soul Trilogy, Africa's Child, America's Daughter, Drum Beats, Heartbeats. And, you know, what I wanted to say about all of these is that what Maria has done is taking a journey of the heart, a journey of the soul, a journey of character, a journey of mind, a journey of spirit, and he shared what this has been like. And, you know, for me, as I read in, as I read each book, each book has a very special, special meaning. But in the end, what is the power of these stories? Maria, before we talk about that and we talk about America's Daughter, um, how do people find out more about you and also how can they purchase copies of your book? Yes, uh, I have a website which is very extensive and it's just my name, marianambu.com. And I also have another website which is called aerobicswithsoul.com, which is the fitness program based on African dance that I have developed over the years. And there's lots of information there too. So it's marianambu.com and aerobicswithsoul.com. Those are the websites. And if you want to purchase my books, they're available on Amazon or you can order them almost from any bookstore. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. Um, Benny, let's go ahead and give uh, the set away, the trilogy away. Uh, 1-800-930-2819. We've talked a little bit about the journey. I I, want to make sure we chat about America's daughter for a minute. And the thing that I was struck by is, of course, you know, when you open up the book, you know, there is an acknowledgement to Catherine. uh, Yes. And she wrote the foreword. Yep. Um, But in writing this book, there's a very particular, let's say, message in it, right? For lack of a better word. Mm hmm. And I want to talk about this because there's a notion of becoming here. And what I mean by becoming, I mean by becoming who you are, who you're meant to be. And that goes for all of us. Mm -hmm. But there is a process to becoming. Could you talk a little bit about what becoming has meant to you, especially as we talk about this particular uh, part of the book, book series? Okay, Um, I always had that in my mind. I always knew I was in the process of of getting or being or becoming what somewhere or or going someplace where I wasn't. I always wanted to leave the orphanage and I didn't know why. And I always knew I I was always moving. And that's why I have the dance. I have the dancing soul, which is which is free, which will always, you know, keep moving on. But in this process of becoming and the process of moving on and, and, and trying to achieve and become who you were meant to be, I was not alone. I could have never done it alone. Uh, when I was in high school in the 12th grade, uh, a volunteer teacher from America, from a tiny town, you know, Namia, Minnesota, came to Africa to teach for one year. And I was in the 12th grade and she was my English teacher. And she taught me oral English. So we all, there were four of us who were ready to ready to take the Cambridge exams. And we had to learn oral English and we had to, to always talk about our stories. So the other Africans, they all had stories. They had villages they came from, they had parents, they had sisters, they had hobbies. They knew what their parents did. They were farmers, they were teachers. Uh, I always would say, uh, you know, uh, I have no parents. I'm, I'm an orphan. I was raised in an orphanage. I, I have no parents. And she really didn't believe it. And that was end of story because that was the truth. I don't know what she did or how she did, but she just moved mountains. And by the end of, of, of that one year only that that uh, she was teaching there, and I saw her like only once a week, It's it, just for, for an hour of class. She made arrangements to to adopt me. She went to the orphanage and got permission, and and she adopted me and brought me to America. And the big miracle in this whole thing is that she was only 23 years old, and wow. I was 19. I was wow. I was a fully grown basket case African woman, 
And here she was, hardly out of adolescence herself. But you know what? She she saw me with her heart. She didn't see me with her eyes. She saw a need, and somehow again the universe opened up and helped her fulfill that need. She didn't wait until she had everything. You know, you don't wait until you have a full loaf of bread before you can share the one slice you have with people who have none. And she didn't come from a rich family. She was an only child. Her father was alone and he was living alone. Her mother died when she was little. And she always said, you know, if I couldn't have a mom, I could be a mom. But she was 23. Mm -hmm. And that to me is the miracle. I always say, you know, don't ever underestimate the power of one, what one person can do. We have a saying again in Africa, which says, uh, whoever says one person doesn't make a difference hasn't slept under the mosquito net with one mosquito. So Mm. it was that, it was that power. She believed in me. I don't know really all, I don't know what she actually saw in me or if she saw herself in me or she saw potential or she just saw a need and she she saw someone who needed her and, and she did not know what she could do, what she would give. She would only share what she had. And, and that is the lesson. We don't have to be great, big, important people to make a difference. We just have to, to know who we are and what we have and be willing to share. And because of her act of, of humanity, I have been able to share so much with so many people over the years, but she took that first step with, and she helped me where, you know, go wherever I was supposed to go and do whatever I was supposed to do. So we all can make a difference. We all can make a difference simply by being who we are. We truly, if we listen and we love ourselves, we are enough. We have enough. Always we have something to offer. I always look at her and I just admire. I can't imagine at her age to take an African 19-year-old and bring her to America. I just can't imagine, but she did it. Yeah. And and it is very clear from, you know, what you wrote in the book and and the honoring process, which which now really, you know, leads me to what I call the pinnacle of discovery. You know, when one looks at one's life in the world and asks the questions, am I doing all I can do? Am I telling the story I need to tell? Am I, am I sharing the truth of what experience are, lo- are like for people like me, like you, like others? And that's, for me, what happened when I read Drum Beats, Heartbeats. You, you know, this yeah. is not just a book for our time. It's a book for all time. Um, and people may be surprised when they read it. Um, but here we are today from your perspective, talk about your life's journey in this book and how it is such a profound message for the world we live in today. You know, like I said, I didn't have any particular message that I wanted to give, but I just I just had this desire because I felt so blessed and so privileged to have lived the kind of life I'd lived and to learn those deep, deep lessons in love that I really felt that was why I was here. I had, I was put on this earth to share this very, very human way of being human lesson, if you want to talk, because mm-hmm. I lived it. And I, I, I look at all of that and I, I just say, well, this is what we have to do. We, we all can make a difference. We all can teach lessons. And I think what my book does, which, which has come to me after the fact, is that it's, it's such an inspirational book. It's a book of hope. There's the one thread, I think, that goes mm-hmm. through from three years old to my age today. Even today, I have just so much hope for America, for the future, for our political system, for, 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 for the races of the world, for immigration, all these issues that are... Uh, that are just all around us. I see it is hope that will bring us from here to there. We can never give up. Just like I never ever gave up, even though while I was going through it, I was not telling myself I'm not giving up. 
It's just there was a propelling force that told me I needed to go to the next place where I was, you know, I was supposed to be. So when I tell my story, people will like, they will say, well, what did you, you know, what lessons did you want to give? What, what do you want to leave us with? Yeah. I always say, I really don't have a lesson. I all, what I want to leave, leave you with is to be human, to connect mm. with, with the humanity in other people and tell your story honestly and truthfully, and you will be vulnerable but tell your story because we all have stories and people out there are listening and you don't have to worry about the lessons learned. If you tell your stories from the heart, whoever reads it or hears it, they will get from your story what they need. And it is different for everyone. Wow. Um, I, I could talk to you all day, but one of the things that I, I, I'm really very clear about is there's a level of honesty that is so important in the world today, and yet we find ourselves in a dilemma. And the dilemma is between speaking our voice and standing up uh, or not wanting to rock the boat. These are two interesting concepts, right? You yes. know, and, and not everybody, you know, has been in the world as an activist, but I do believe that this is one of the challenges we face in our time. You know, we're looking for the role models that are going to come forward and say, hey, this is how you do it. This is how you stand in the truth of who you are uh, outside of what anybody might say or outside of criticism. This is who it is. But I wonder, is it really that simple and that easy in today's world? What are your thoughts on that? I, I think it complicates <laughs> We complicate things unnecessarily. <laughs> I, I think, uh, you know, because the bottom line, when you look at what is important in life, is people and how you relate to them. It's relationships. It's what we share, not, not our differences. It's our common humanity. I, I wrote my books. I always say, you know, I, I made myself vulnerable. Some people are uncomfortable really reading how open, you know, I am, but... But I, will, I wanted to share what I share with every human being in this world. So any human being reading my books will, not, will know exactly what I'm talking about, you know? Like, for instance, I wrote it from an emotional point of view. Like, uh, it's not, I cannot categorize it as they do now in psychology as emotional intelligence or whatever. I was just simply being me and honest and being true to the humanity that I share with other human beings. And I wanted to reach them on that level. You know, when you write your book from that point of view, you will reach people and you will make a difference. And people will recognize themselves in the story because they, they share that common humanity. So, you know, I wrote it because everybody in the whole world, they know what it is to be in love. They know what it is to be abundant, to be beaten, to you know, to 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 be to feel joy, to be angry. You know, they they know what it is to be alone. Everybody, that's human. Every single person can identify with that, and that is why I chose to be as human. I mean, to be myself, because I felt from from if I reach people from there. I will always connect, whether they know it or not, they will find out that they are feeling, like you said earlier, like you feel you're in the, you're with me, you feel like you are right there with me as I'm writing the story. And and that to me is one of the, the lessons, I, or, or not lessons, or the needs or the fulfillment I can give to people who read my books to realize their power and our power. That the, the, we, we, this power that we share as human beings, which is the same, we have that power to make ourselves happy. Mm. You know, this message and what you just said, it's not only just words, but when people read your book, they're going to also see some pictures. And one of the things that I, I was really struck by, and I know I've got a few minutes we can talk about it is, most books that get written these days are usually about separation. They can be a story about, I grew up here, I did this, and it's really a story of isolation. Mm -hmm. It's a story of not connecting. 
when people read this, they're going to see pictures, right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, they're going to see pictures of uh, your father. They're going to see pictures of your father with your American family, right? They're going to see these pictures. They're going to see pictures of your half-sister, uh, you know, cooking and the stories around that. They're going to see and hear and read stories about the connection. They're also going to read about what it means, right, to look at spiritual philosophies, you know, to be able to look at how connectivity comes through spirit. What would you say has been your greatest spiritual influence? Hmm. I don't, you know, as you know, I mean, uh, religion is not necessarily spirituality, but no. uh, I think my greatest spiritual influence is is the awareness of the divine in all human beings. Mm -hmm. We share that. I could, I, even as a child, I could feel the divine in me. I could feel like I was different from a tree. A tree might have a spirit, but but what I had was different from it. And and I always believed that that there was someone, something, I don't know what to call it. Of course, I was raised as a Catholic, so I'm supposed to to call it God and, uh -huh. and, and hell and all of those things. But even as a child, I always felt it, it was something I couldn't put my finger on, but I could feel the presence. So I always feel, you know, like I'm living. I like, I would like to try to live in in the part of me that is divine, which is this, which is what connects me to other human beings so that I can be kind, I can be gentle, I can do good things, I can be gentle and good and love myself so that I can love other people because I just believe there's something universal that, that is divine that makes me a human being and not a chair or a tree. And, and I also believe that that thing is what leaves me when I die, when leaves my body, whatever we call it. I feel that it's the divine in me that is connecting the divine in you. And I felt it as a child. I didn't know what it was, mm -hmm. but I always felt after that encounter with the three African women in the village who told me, we are all your mother. I've never forgotten that feeling of connectedness to other human beings. And yet part of all of that, that level of connectedness, I think, is fully expressed in the way you write about your story, other stories, life journey, you know, everything from looking at what it means to raise children, you mm -hmm. know, what it means to talk to your children and your grandchildren, you know, what it means to understand the experiences and the disappointment from love and then separation, you know, all of that. You know, I think there's a chapter called Divorce Business in the book. Mm -hmm. Yes. Or something like that. Exactly. But, but when we put it all together, it is the accumulation of who you've become in today's world and who you are today. And I'd like to take a moment to talk about that. Because that may or may not be part of these three books, but it is part of who you are. What is the most important aspect of your life now in sharing these stories? Um, I always, you know, I never ever dreamt I would, I would live to be 76 years old. I remember when I was eight, I used to say, oh, I hope I live to be 10. Oh, when I'm 15, I will be so old. I just, I mean, I was, I kept, you know, going, giving myself increments of three to five years. And then when I would reach that, I would just fall down on my knees and be so grateful and amazed that I was still alive, you know. So now here I am, you know, in my ripe old age of 76. After have, have gone through, I mean, a really, really full life in every sense of the way. And I, I just feel like, um, you know, now my, what I like, what I'm doing now, again, is to continue to always be me. And, and to stand in my truth and be authentic and share that. What I like to do now is with my stories, when I go out to talk, I want to, to sh show people 
how I did it, which might not be the best way for them to do it because we were in such different places. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like I was given so much. I was helped by so many people along the way, you know, especially after I came to America. I just felt now I'm in a position when I can really look at my gifts and give them all away. Yeah, that is really the pay it forward energy of what I sense from this. And really talking about the entire journey, yeah. you know, being able to share it all. And that's what you've done, Maria. And I want to thank you so much for that. Thank you for joining us here today. Um, I'd love for folks, again, to know how they can get a copy of the books um, and how they can find out more about you as well. Okay. Um, my website has a lot of information on every aspect of me, including my African dancing and I have a, a huge art collection, African art collection, which is, is donated over to Alex Haley Farming for the Children's Defense Fund. It, everything is over there. You can learn more about me there and on the other website, which is my dance program, which I wanted to give back to the American people a little bit of the joy, the beauty, the, the spontaneity, the magic of African dance by, by creating an African fitness program that they could participate in instead of just being spectators. That website is aerobiswithsoul.com and you can purchase my books at Amazon. Well, look, thank you for that last question. I'd love to know your personal message. I'd love to know what you'd like to leave us with today. And again, thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're a wonderful interviewer. Yeah, boy, I'll tell you, I love reading these books. Um, what do you want to leave us with? What can we say to our listeners today? I would leave you with uh, love yourself. Really learn to love yourself. Because when you love yourself, that love is pure. It extends. And you can see it in other people. In acts they do and acts you do for them. But you have to be whole. You have to believe in yourself and respect yourself. And when you're in that place where you, even in spite of difficulties, the bottom line is you, you are important and you love yourself, you will be able to make a difference in other people's lives because they will see it. And so just be yourself and share however you can that fact that that you are, you are who, who you are. And uh, when people see you, you know, how you act, how you talk, it, it rubs off on them. And it hopefully they will go inside. You know, I've seen so many Americans who have, like I said, have so much materially, but they don't know themselves. They don't love themselves. They're unsatisfied. And I always want to say, go inside and love yourself first. That is what I, really a message I feel, mm -hmm. because from there you can go forward. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much, Maria. Thank you for all that you do. Wow. Um, amazing. Thank ben. you for what you do and for this interview. Oh, it's, I, I believe me, uh, my only regret is that it's short and I, we're, I could go on because there's so much here, so powerful. Benny, thank you for pushing all the right buttons and doing what you do. Um, and I want to thank all of you out there. I want to thank you for every day tuning us in, for supporting the show the way you have done for close to 16 years. And the other thing, too, is for being so aware of your innate gifts and your outer potential. Let's make it happen in 2020. We'll see you next time. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.